All right, let's come tap dancing out to the stage. A five, six, seven, eight. That's Lillian Russell. Hey, that's Jen Ponton. And together we are once again dreading the boards. This is a podcast for show folk, about show folk, by show folk. Every episode you can tune in and hear us talk to a new artist or a new artistic uh, soul about the crazy things that we have all experienced and signed up for and not so willingly signed up to do. (laughs) Gotten tricked into, dragged into, Mm. signed up for, knowing what we were getting into and thought we could handle it and then changed our minds but still did it anyway. (laughs) Yikes. So many costumes in old, dirty basements. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. So Lots good. of Febreze. So oh, much Febreze. God. Febreze lets people get away with so much. <laughs> you know, yes. I've used I have actually used Febreze as a prop in a movie. Uh I sprayed it at M. Emmett Walsh in the mimic. Ooh. The uh I uh what was I forget what I said exactly, but but you're bringing me down. Don't bring me down. And I sprayed him in the face with Febreze. Oh. That stuff, that shit's strong. It's very strong. strong. It's very I strong. Mean- like our guest today, the lovely Doug Plout. Welcome, Hi. Doug Plout. That is me talking before I should, as you know. No, it's all no, good. Introduce yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, Doug is a New York-based actor and writer. He is best known for his work as Terry on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. He's hysterical in these Christmas episodes. (laughs) Other credits include Daredevil, Vice Principals, Hurricane Bianca from Russia with Hate, which he stars in, in which he is hysterical and amazing and very much on the edge. Uh, Naomi and Eli's No Kiss List, The Preppy Connection, and The Mimic. And he will next be seen in Charles Bush and Carl Andres's The Sixth Reel. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that's so exciting! Yay, welcome, welcome Doug. Yeah. Hi, what's everybody? up? You're working with Charles Bush right now. That's oh so yeah, well, you know what's so funny was I met him. I met Charles, who is, you know, speaking in terms of the theater, just a total legend. Mm-hmm. I had known Carl Andrus, who is sort of his co-director. I, I want to say Brian Man, but really, they're one. You know, they're so. Charles doesn't really exist without Carl. Anyway, I had gone to see a friend's cabaret show. And it was right after I had done um, Hurricane Bianca from Russia with Hate. And in my own little small, teeny tiny, like, I'm the center of the universe mind, I thought, well, Charles is a drag star. And I was just in drag. So he probably has heard that I was doing this thing. And I was, mm-hmm. so I, I went up to him and I was like, hi. I, he had no idea who I was. But we sort of became really good friends and sort of developed this friendship that was sort of born out of loving going to the movies in the middle of the day. God, yes. <laughs> because I am... I mean, I can only speak that unless I'm on stage or like a night shoot or whatever, I don't like to be outside of my apartment after seven o'clock. Like I'm like, let's have lunch, let's do whatever. But I'm just like, whatever. I'm like, what's whatever? I'm, I'm yeah. earliest, early, early, you know, early bird. So um, you know what, Doug, to your credit, like because Charles is is old guard. I'm not super surprised that like he wasn't on the cutting edge of what was going on, but I absolutely think that if he was a little younger, he would have known exactly who you are. Well, here's the thing though. I mean, I think that he, uh, you know, I, I always despair so, so much that like, 
we we as performers will never get to work with like the Rosalind Russells, <laughs> the Betty Davises, mm. the, the, those people. And I sort of feel like working with him is like the closest that we we can come to that, you know, now. So I, it's just, it's just the most wonderful thing. That's not, you're not wrong. My God. <laughs> yes. How can I get closer and closer to Joan Crawford? <laughs> right? Yes. Oh my, well, I mean, I guess, well, Faye Dunaway, but you know, she'll throw things at you. So, I mean, uh. I have an embarrassing Charles Bush story. Um, oh, I to hear it and then I'll, I'll, I'll tell him. Oh my God. <laughs> Please. I can't recognize people at all. Like I'm lucky. I know what Jen looks like. I'm, I'm so bad with faces. <clears throat> and um, rock bar was doing a screening of psycho beach party. Uh, that's his, right. I'm telling the story about the yeah. right person. Cause mm -hmm. that's yeah. the other thing I like to do is screw up people's names. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and Charles Bush was there and he was going to do like a talk back afterwards. I remember and I had, yeah. I do not know how I escaped the life like the life that I lived is exactly where Psycho Beach Party lived. I don't I don't know how I didn't see it up until this year a couple years ago. Yeah. Um so we all settled in and my friend Emily really likes to sit in a chair with a back and it's a bar that has like a lot of stools that don't have backs on them. And so I had like walked away from the table but we had stuff on and around the table. And I came back and people were sitting at our table and I was like, oh, hey, sorry, listen, you guys can stay, but I really need this chair for my friend Emily. And I kicked Charles Bush out of her chair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no dear. Uh, I had no idea. And he was like, what a good sport. Oh, my God. Like he didn't oh, he's, he wasn't oh, he's, to me, but he was just like he's mm. so he's 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 he no, he's so he's uh, the thing about him is he loves he loves being treated like a star and he loves that, but he is so passive and so kind. That's oh no, he was he was very, very kind. And yeah. like my friend genuinely needed that chair. Um, but she yeah. was like she creeps up behind me and she goes, Do you just know what you do you know what you just did? <laughs> and I was like, I saved your chair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's that's oh. so so exciting. Yeah. So good. So you are now enjoying this really beautiful, like old New Yorkers in the park playing chess, going to see matinees. Well, we well, when when I when I get to when I get to hang out when I'm lucky enough to get to go spend time with them, we don't really play chess, chess, but in, certainly in the you know the park and everything. And he you know he lives in like just the most ornately beautiful. It looks like Auntie Mame's you know Beekman Place in in oh, Greenwich Village. So yeah. You know, so it's it's just it's a wonderful thing in my life, and I'm just so grateful to you know be a part of you know. The other thing I will say, and it's very important, is that um, it's it's not just him; it's also Carl. Everyone who's sort of in that sphere, um, mm -hmm. Greg Santos, who works as their company manager a lot, uh, sort of calls it coined. I think he's the one who coined it. The phrase, the firm. So uh, it sort of just feels like you're a part of the firm. You know, it's like, a, it, nice. it's like, it's nice to just sort of feel like it's its own little ecosystem and everyone's, you know, really wonderful who you meet, who isn't, who is a part of it. So oh, really nice. joy. Yeah. Yeah. So Doug, then, how did you, uh, no, go ahead, Lillian. Oh, I was just going to say, those are the moments that get us through the, the dirty basements moments. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Dan. So I feel like you've had, <laughs> I feel like you've had such incredible moments over the time that I've known you. So Doug and I met doing a film called Love on the Run, 
Well, you know, that was that was the first that was the first movie I was ever in. Yeah. Yeah, that was the first movie I was ever in. And uh Sigma Miguel and um called me. Love him, love him very love much. Him. Um called me, I think, the night before I was supposed to be there. And I was like, oh my God, I'm in a movie. And like it was like Francis Fisher and you know, like mm-hmm. great people, great people. But I was so excited that like Mary Testa was in it because I had just seen oh, her yes. in uh, Queen of the Mist, which I think she was doing at the same time that this enormous role in this musical that was written for her, she was doing at the same time. And I, you know, I didn't really have scenes with anybody because I think I was on a green screen. And, but uh, it was just, it was a really wonderful thing to get to, you know, be a part, you know, be a part of that thing for the first time. And I was so like, what am I doing? And where, you know, where am I? And, uh, but so, but that was really cool. So that's, I think that was 2011. So, oh my God. It was 2011. And nobody knows it was 2011 because our film was in post for five years. Yeah. (laughs) So when it came out in 2016, the job was like, all right, everybody film, pretend that we filmed this last year. Oh, crazy. Yeah. (laughs) When in reality, I was like, I am a bitch is old now. Like, (laughs) it's so true. It's, God, the the way time races through, you know, especially, Mm -hmm. it's just like, especially because it's like, when you make a movie, it, it, it it's so funny. Like I remember, I I did uh, in Naomi and Eli's. I had like one like one really really nice little moment in that. Mm-hmm. That was um, and the director. I ran into the director uh, about six months later. I said, I have no idea if you remember me. And she was like, I, I when they're editing the movie and they're doing all these things, they're looking at every frame for, you know, hours and hours on end, but we just go off and do something else. So it always just feels like this weird thing. Then sort of when it comes out again, sort of smacks you in the face. In a wonderful <laughs> yeah, way. So, absolutely. You know, um, love on the run was directed by the late great Ash Christian, which when we talk mm-hmm. about queer representation and storytelling in cinema, Ash is like at the forefront of, I think young artists and professionals and he is gone far too soon um yeah. but he also produced her the hurricane bianca movies so was there um like was that connective tissue there between the two of you when he had you come in for uh for rex which that guys, was this movie is just very amazing. <laughs> well i will t- well i will tell you i will also say that um, he produced the six reel as well, and he that was one of the last projects he was working oh. on before he uh, before he, he left. So I had connected him to Charles and Carl um, during that process. So, um, but anyway, yes, Hurricane Bianca. So the story that I got about Hurricane Bianca sort of came to me from both the director and from Ash in slightly different ways. So at what Ash had told me was that it was written for, that part was written for another actor who um, I think a lot of people will know. I think he's actually literally, he's not a RuPaul's Drag Race uh, person, but he is one of the most brilliant performers, I think, in the entire world. I will tell you off mic. Off the Um, record, yes. (laughs) But but he turned it down and uh, they had an audition and there were two other guys there. And I, I, I knew one of them personally and I knew of the other one mm-hmm. just, and uh, I got it. And I was very, very, very lucky. 
Um, the director had also told me that they were sort of looking for androgynous, you know, weirdos. And he had been watching Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and said, what about this guy? And Ash was like, oh, I know him. Yay! And, uh, so uh, that, uh, so that's sort of, that was the other version of how that came to me. So, and then Matt Glasner, I had, who was the casting director, mm -hmm. who was also the casting director for The Sixth Reel. Um, he, I had auditioned for him for, oh my God, um, Love, Simon? Love, lo yeah, love yeah. something else? But it was, mm -hmm. it was something, if it wasn't Love, Simon, it was something very similar. It was a queer-centered teenage thing. Mm -hmm. And... Um, yeah, and I had known him, and I, you know, he's he was he's been wonderful to me, and I'm so I think just the confluence of those three things, all sort of whatever. And in the audition, I was so I I I went in third after the other two, and I remember this very clearly. I had thought the scene I they both sort of played one of I don't know if you anyone ever does this. This is one of the sad things about not being able to go into a room at this moment where we're all self taping. Mm -hmm. Um, if you can sometimes hear the choices other people are making, uh -huh. you say, I want to do the exact, if everyone's doing the same thing, you say, I'm going to do the exact opposite, uh -huh. whatever it is, even if it makes no sense. Right. Then all of a sudden it's, it's just the, a memorable choice, even if it doesn't work. So I did that and I said, they're doing this one thing, both of them. And I just need to do whatever the opposite is. So I did that. And I was so confident in myself when I did that, that I left half the pages of sides in my bag in the hallway. Oops. And I realized this, oh. and I realized this like midway through the the scene. And I was like, oh, well, like it's coming, but I maybe I'll be able to, I, I, I knew, I know this, so I, I'll be fine, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. But then I got there, I was like, I'm really sorry. I, I, I don't know, but like, got it. <laughs> but yeah, so and I went out in the hallway and they were like, no, that's fine. You don't need to do so. I said, well, blew that. And then I, uh, I got it. And I like, I think an hour later. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So, yeah. Well, that must've been You so know satisfying. what though? The confidence I bet was palpable. Mm -hmm. I think, well, I mean, I'm very rarely confident in, I mean, well, you know what I think is so funny is that I, I don't know if you have this, Jen, um, or Lillian. Um, I, I'm not sure that I'm necessarily confident in, like, an enormous skill set as an actor or as a performer. But one thing I am confident in is my ability to do something that not a lot of – I know there aren't a lot of people like me. So one of the ways that I – I'm actually pretty good at, like, releasing – I would say – in the last five years, there's been like one job I didn't get that really like destroyed me. Uh, yeah, and it but, bit at you. Yeah, but for like the but for the most part, I'm like, oh, that would have been fun, whatever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's because I Especially, also, yeah. The choice it's, is so clear, right? Because it's not like they're finding Doug version two. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're they're finding someone who does a completely different thing. I can't tell you how many times I'll audition for something and I'll like get a little attached to it, and then I'll be like, "Man, I, I'm I'm the choice that makes sense." And then when I see it, it's like someone 
way older, way younger, way thinner, way different in some very marked way. It's not like another version of me up there. Yeah, and 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 I, I can say I was I was gonna say I think it would, but no, I know it would really bother me if it was someone who I was like, oh, that's sort of someone like me. But no, it never is, rarely is. So You know, I bet you get this all the time. You're a real Doug Plout type. <laughs> well, that would be, you know. Well, that's, that's not the worst you, thing. Well, that's we you, love it. Well, that's, you know, I guess, I guess that's what is, what, what the kids call making it, you know, is if someone, if they say, <laughs> right? that is the type, you know, we want. There are very um, famous examples of that, of like, uh, I think it might've been Michael Douglas or Michael Keaton. And one of them saw like a breakdown for a Michael Douglas type or a Michael Keaton type. And he called his agent and he was like, Hey, you're, they're looking for this type. But I'm that guy. Do they know that they could just ask you? Oh well, oh, well. I mean, I, I I have a friend who I, who I won't name. Who uh, the breakdown said, th like a that this actress's <laughs> name type, and they called her in, and like <laughs> meaning like, and they literally were like, "Come audition for this thing," and your name, your literal <laughs> in the breakdown. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. We hope you're right for it. Well, come on, man. Like, if it ain't me, what are we doing here? Um, doing Psycho Beach Party was one of my favorite things that I've ever done. You did it? I played Burdine in 2009. You know, so many, so many people, um, the uh, the executive director of New Fest, where the sixth reel premiered, uh, uh -huh. ironically, I think his name is, I, I met him once. He was so cute. Um, uh, leave that, leave that in. Um, he, no, but he went to school with uh, a professor of mine from college, and they became very good friends. And they met doing Psycho Beach Party, and so I, you know, so I, I, I think there's also something about being in one of his plays that you know, I think just because it's they're so outrageous that they, yes. that they demand a they demand a level of like immediate intimacy with whoever you're doing this with. So that's an excellent point. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, and there's such a fabric of so many people's lives. I literally cannot. I don't know how it missed me at all. But yeah, no, I'm just jealous. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you have? Um, I, you, you come from a theater background. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and when, when did you start doing theater and, and when were you like, Oh, this is what I want to do. I, well, I think the, the first thing I ever did really my father always played trombone in like the local community theater. They like an annual musical of the church, like a big, you know, yeah. side story that everything. And then one year they were doing a sound of music and uh, I was Kurt. I got to play Kurt. And nice. um, ironically, I don't know if anyone knows queer icon, Nicole Payson, who's on a show called anyone but me that I think was on Hulu. I think I want to say she played Brigida, but uh but uh, I remember very clearly doing um, I leave and heave a sigh and say goodbye, goodbye. And then everyone applauded for like, whatever. Yes. Oh, you and got the ovation. I the song and I was, nah, it was great. Yeah. So that, you know, 
was the thing that I remember still. And, you know, there's a VHS that I, I have since lost, and you can just see me totally just smiling my way through. Yes! So happy. And uh, yeah, so that's how that started. And then uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I did a lot of community lot of community theater although i never really got any like good parts to be honest with you and where uh, did you grow up i grew up in greenwich connecticut oh, so that, from connecticut yeah so uh i did that and uh kept kept going until i was about 16 or 17 and then this um sort of an odd story but i, I think i wanted to go to school for musical theater because um i can't dance but i could Barely sing, and then, um, and then when I was sixteen, I got thyroid cancer, and so that was a lot. So there was a lot of surgery and a lot of things, and that sort of put the kibosh on the singing. But um, mm. I'm grateful for it because I actually think it like cultivated like a totally different side of my brain, and made me like a more empathetic person, and uh, you know. So then I went, ended up going to Pace, where I did a lot of plays there. And then I also think the turning point where I really realized I could do this was I played um, Henry in The Skin of Our Teeth, which Ooh. to day is like probably my favorite part I've ever played. And it's a great um, play. It's a great play. They're doing it on Broadway and um, nice. in, in like a couple months. So I'm just like, oh, I'd love to, but I don't think, but um, I've seen the breakdown. I don't think Henry as conceived in this production, I would be anything that that I, I it would be I would be seen for. So, so that's so that was when I sort of realized, oh, I could do this. And that and then I got out of school and I got my equity card at Connecticut Free Shakespeare. And then um, yeah, I was doing turned to sort of film and television a little bit more in there. And that's been the bulk of what I've done since. Right. I mean, I have found, and it sounds like you have as well. um, And despite the fact that we're different body types, I think that there has been such an unwillingness for theater to move in a direction of actual inclusion in terms of interesting people. Well, you know, well, you know what I, 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 I say is like, I think Carol Channing or, oh. you know, like Mary, like I think, well, let's just stick with Carol Channing for a second. I think Carol Channing today, I'm not sure she would be a Broadway star. She wouldn't be a Broadway star. Right. But I do think she might have her own Netflix series. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. That is a perfect example. A yeah. Per- yes. A thousand percent. So and I that's think- what's so vexing. I mean, the, the perfect parallel is um, Colleen Ballinger, right? Miranda Sings. Oh, Lillian, oh, sure. we should see you. We should talk to her. Um, yeah. who, be- who is a great <laughs> musical theater performer, was having a lot of, butting up against a lot of, um, uh, of, of difficulty just as Colleen started this persona of Miranda Sings, who's just, you know, a delusional, bizarre girl who thinks of herself as like Celine Dion. Yet we all know someone like that. (laughs) She turned into a YouTube sensation and got haters back off on Netflix, which was, by the way, a really good show. And I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think on one hand it's, um, yeah, the, what happens with it, and it's something that I'm not sure theater theater can fix itself in that way, is that there is a level of, I don't know that it's anyone's fault, because the way a lot of 
plays and musicals are written now is that there's a very specific set of requirements that if you kick this high, if you can hit this note, if you can do this, then we can, then that's whatever. But I think, whereas I think 50 years ago, the requirements were more malleable to mm. suit each performer. Right. And right. Um, so I think that might be a part of it. Whereas I think film and television, so much of it is, you know, what's in front of, who's the person in front of us and how are we going to shift this to suit whoever they are? Mm -hmm. That's yes. a good point. Yes. And so I think that's a big part of it. Um, but I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm so grateful for, I'm just, I, I see less difference now because I also think that um, even as recently as like 20 years ago, all of the good, all of the good writing was in theater. Yeah. Or exactly. most of the good writing was in theater, I should say. But I think um, <clears throat> more recently, uh, rec it's sort of shifted to become, because writers can live anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, good writing is, you know, in film and television, good writing is on stage, good writing is, is everywhere. And I think that's, that's something that's really, really wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It makes it, it it makes it not feel like um, selling out for sure to, to move into on camera work, which is like such a ludicrous thought. But I I miss theater and I wish the doors yeah. were open in theater that have been opening for me for a long time. We know, we know what's so funny is that I feel and this is very personal. Um, I remember um, I asked for a day off from Hurricane Bianca, which was a huge opportunity for me, mm -hmm. for me because I was supposed to say two lines in a, uh, benef in a benefit for something called Project Shaw, which is a wonderful organization, and, but say two lines in like a Shaw play for a benefit, meaning where I wasn't even paid. Uh -huh, to right. This, this, <laughs> this thing that I was like, oh, but it's Rebecca Luker, the late great Rebecca Luker, oh. and you know all these people. And I thought, oh, I would love to do, but yeah, you can't ask for a day off from some, you know. But I still did it, and I and I feel like in the last couple of years, my mindset has shifted to just be like, you just want to be good in good things. You know what I mean? Like that's mm -hmm. the goal. I think mm -hmm. so. I spent a lot of my time when I was. Uh, when I first moved up to New York where I, I was just like, and this is going to sound very egotistical, but I think you both have been in those produ productions where you're like, why am I the best thing in this? Oh, and like, never be I know I'm good and I love it, but I want to other people who are good and who are pushing me. And it's not that people were bad or it's just, sometimes it's like a director that's kind of sideways or isn't pushing anybody or like, you're the only one who knows your lines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think I've always just had this, I think just because I never really, as a kid, I was never the one who was going to do anything. Like I was never the one who was going to succeed as a performer. I think I'm just, I've gotten beyond it because I'm years old. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think I'm just always just completely nonplussed that anyone wants to hire me. And I mean, did anyone wants 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 me in their thing? So I'm just always so, so I, I'm just always so happy whenever you know 
I, I get the chance to, you know, just do really play a good part or just do good writing or anything sure. like that. So, yeah, yeah, being being able to do something that you're proud of, I guess, is what I meant. Yeah. Something that you're excited to tell your friends and family about instead of telling them not to come to things, which I have mm. done in my past. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also think, you know, I'm strong on the uh like the confirm like the the confirmation bias. Like I always assume if I'm in some like until really proven otherwise. And I think <laughs> I'll just use film and television just as as the template here. I'd say of the 15, 20, 20 film and TV things I've done, I can say there's two things that I was like, this is not good. And I, you know, but I think the other 13, the other, you know, 13, 18, whatever it is, uh, uh, I've been like, this is amazing. It's the best thing ever. Uh, it's so good. You know? so but great. I think yeah. there's literally only been like twice where I've been like, uh, meaning like, when I'm there, I'm like, I don't think this is very good. And then, like, I see it, and I'm like, oh no. Yeah, <laughs> um, but that's but literally only been twice. So um, that's great. Yeah. Um, when Jen contacted you about this, uh, what was the first story that popped into your mind about like mishaps and shenanigans that have crossed your path that you've been involved in? Oh, it's an audition story. Well, it's an audition story. Yes. Yay. Um. Okay, I, I was always like, "Do I'm not, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say his name, and I'm still a fan. No, no, still yeah. work with them. Oh my god! So the I director thought, writer. This was it's a director. It's a director who I worship. He has directed everything, and honestly, um, <laughs> sorry, it still makes me laugh. I, you know, what's so weird is I didn't. This is this is something that you know. I don't know if there's a weird personality quirk, but sometimes I'll be experiencing the story that I, something that I'll, I'll feel like, this, oh God, this would destroy other people. Mm. But I'm oh. like, this is going to be such a good story. This oh, is going to be such a good that. story. That's resilience. That's resilience, baby. Oh no, because I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to tell this story someday. And yes. That's now. So I had an audition for a play at a major theater in New York. This was, I think, two years ago. Two years, um, and I went and I did it. It was by a playwright who um, I had done a monologue from one of his plays for college. So I was like, "Oh, this is great! It'll be fun. It's whatever." But I'm not going to get this because there are, you know, really whatever. So I go in, I do the thing. The casting directors are, I think, they seem to be happy with what I'm doing, and I leave. And then they say, well, "Okay, well, you have a final callback tomorrow morning." at 9.40 in the morning. At, so, because I think the director had to go out of town, oh, whatever. So, so the playwright, the director, and all that. So I do the thing and the cast directors are looking at the director like, that's him, right? That's him, right? And uh, the director's look, looking and he's just like, he's not happy. And he's looking at me and he's sort of, you know, contorting himself and he's thinking, it's just not quite right. It's just not quite working. And so he says, Doug, can you go out in the hall for a second? And I did. And then he, he, the director came out very lovingly, put his arm around me and goes, you know, you're very talented, but you don't talk like a person. And he goes, could you try it again? Could you come back in and try it again? Oh. And you talk like a person. 
you know, walk like a person. Wowie wow. You know, it's so funny. Like I didn't, <laughs> I knew exactly what he meant because I talk, you know, even just as a person, I'm, you know, I go. So, because you are a glorious like, little flower. He just wants me to do less. That's exactly. Yeah, yeah right. Yes. So I went and I did it again. And he was I'm like. sorry. No, it I is. Imagine no, he was no, and I, I remember he was, he was so puzzled. He was like, "But you don't talk like a person." Like a person. And I was, that's I, so loving. I, but I loved it, and I just thought yeah, yeah. it's a great story. Um, and I can tell you who that is off mic too. Yes, great. But, uh, um, and I. Um, I have since seen him, you know. Uh, Did you, know, you talk like a person, and then what happened? Did he say no, no, I haven't auditioned for him again, but I saw a, 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 a something he was directing, and uh, at at a preview, and I was like, I think he sort of like half waved at me because he recognized me. But um, oh, yeah. So that 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 was That's probably great. the biggest story, and I but I loved it because also it was such a um, it just it just it was a perfect story for. Um, for for that experience. Oh yeah. You know, one of the one of the things that I find puzzling and rather unkind is that like yeah. when we get a note like that, although the way we usually hear it delivered is like you're too big or you're not believable or whatever it is. So many times that's just our personality. <laughs> well, you know what's so funny is like I <laughs> I think I have been such a fan of this director for so long and I still am. Mm. Um, I it didn't read as unkind to me. Mm -hmm. Like I knew exactly what he was saying, and I just said, "Oh well, no, this is his vocabulary." Yeah, yes. exactly what he's saying. And also, this is going to be worth the story for the rest of my for life. For sure. So, oh well, you know mm -hmm. what? I think the way that he said it was the best way because it's such a no. You don't talk like a person. You talk like a beautiful, dramatic butterfly queerdo soul who I know, like thinks true. of like life as a spoon for anthology. And so that makes yeah. total sense. What I think is offensive is when people are like, this is too big. This isn't believable where it becomes like a commentary on the craft. And it's like, well, I'm not, mm -hmm. no, I'm just being myself. You yeah. want us to I be authentic. Know. And there are people who behave like this in yeah. real life and you know, who are Kramer come to life or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I actually got that drilled out of me because I, my voice is so expressive and you know, Sometimes, mm. sometimes the text is not written it with thinking words in it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, or like the punctuation doesn't give you cues as to where someone might, oh, I don't know, have a dramatic pause just like that. And also I tend to use strange voices when I talk to people all the time. <laughs> and I was told mm. absolutely not to do that. Um, which I think <laughs> is not really, should be one's go-to for something say Shaw, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, but, I don't know. When you I see just... the way people create and own characters <laughs> and are quirky in different ways, that is what makes you fall in love with a character is the different quirky interpretation instead of being like, uh, oh, I can't believe they have those in Chicago. Like, what? Right, right. <laughs> well, you know what I think is, is really fascinating, though, and this is, I guess, goes back to also Charles Bush, is he has a phrase that he uses a lot, and he's talked about this a lot, is that, you know, he he usually, when he's writing something, a, a play, a movie, whatever, he writes it with people in mind. And he's always writing for what he calls their trip. 
So it's like they're doing their thing. You know what I mean? It's just what they, do, you know what I mean? So it's always mm -hmm. a version of who that person is. Mm -hmm. So I always, because I, I always feel like, you know, I think there there is value in seeing people shape shift and seeing those sort of things. But I, I would say for the most part, I, you know, and may, I, I don't mean to put myself down, but I don't know how much I could do that. You know, I don't yeah, know right. how much I could shape. Like I would just, you know, I would love to get to play people who are like Doug doing things that he doesn't always get to do. Right. But I do like, I you know, I do like this idea that everyone, and I think it's also a very old school idea where, you know, every part you see Joan Crawford play, they're Joan Crawford parts. Every right. part you see Betty Davis play, they're Betty Davis parts. It's, you know, it. It, it wasn't this thing where that, you know, now where, you know, we see mm -hmm. people like Meryl, who is wonderful and amazing, right. doing right. everything under the sun, you know? And I sort of think, you know, it's a very... Um, or Nicole Kidman, who's about to play Lucille Ball. Well, you know what's so funny is I think that could be wonderful. I, I think really it really could. could. She's so skilled. I don't <laughs> actually doubt it. But I saw a tweet, and this is so right, and they were like, on what planet... Is Nicole Kidman cast as Lucille Ball when Deborah Messing still exists? Oh, <laughs> you, know, you know what's so funny is that I do think it's. I mean, I I, I understand that from a from, from a casting perspective because I think I think it's like like I watch American Crime Story, the Ryan Murphy one now, mm -hmm. and they make everyone sort of like approximate whatever, except for Edie Falco. They don't they don't make her look like Hillary. And they make everyone else look like, and I think it's there's there's a strength in that, because also if you have to worry about just doing an imitation, then you sort of like if I was seeing Nicole Kidman do a Aaron Sorkin talks about this, but if I was seeing Nicole Kidman just doing a perfect Lucy imitation, then I wouldn't be paying attention to whatever the story they're telling is. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I always feel like that's sort of where I come down on that. So I, I understand I understand that. And I, I think, you know, if she did this meticulous re recreation of Lucy, then I don't know how much I would be looking at, you know, who, you know, this fascinating story they're telling, which I think has to do with her being, um, Lucy being accused of being a communist. I think that's what they're, what the arc is of that. <laughs> Never missing would be a choice for that. I'm sure yeah. it's I'm sure it's a choice for a reason. But I'm yeah because I have been watching Will and Grace recently, and I'm always like, wow, she's just she's a really good comedian. Well, you know that show has the most gifted physical comics, I think, on television in a very long time. Definitely right. Yeah, they are just yeah. they're all one and uh, that guest cast. I mean, like. Um, God, Debbie, like, the people who play their parents, Debbie Reynolds mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and Blythe Danner and um, I think Lainey Kazan plays Grace's aunt. And oh. um, uh, Leslie, oh my God, Leslie Ann Warren, who I think is just like, oh, is, is um, Will's father's mistress. It's, That's you know, it's, and oh my, oh my God, I'm forgetting like the best ever, Eileen Brennan. From Clue. Plays oh my God! Clue. Yes. Right, 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 right. And oh my, just so it's. <laughs> oh my yeah. heart! I did not know. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so good. Yeah. Um, amazing. We do. Oh God, I could talk Hollywood with you forever. I know. Um, 
We do need to come to a close, but is there anything else that has just been an absolute actor's uh, nightmare or long, strange trip that you would love to tell us and our listeners? Or, hmm. or a bizarre thing that you have seen live in the theater. Yes. Yes. Sure. I can, I, um, okay, okay. Well, no, actually, I have another story. Um, I was doing a play called Lion in Winter in Los Angeles. This was in 2014. Um, and uh, the woman the, um, who was playing Eleanor, my mother, mm-hmm. um, God, she's so wonderful and she's so hilarious and she's so warm and she's so giving. And um, But there's a line, um, that play is just one long argument between <laughs> yes. royal people. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a line where they're arguing, they say, she says, um, she says to her husband, shall I tell you about my fornication with your father? And that's the line, you know, because I think she, Eleanor has had, an, <laughs> excuse me, had an affair with um, her father-in-law. Mm-hmm. So one matinee, I was in the dressing room and I could hear over the speaker, shall I tell you about my, silence, silence. <gasps> Shall I, oh, no. shall I tell you about my oh, no. defecation with your father? And that was, and and yeah, and that was the, uh, and so that was pretty great. That was. Oh so, my god, was, she just couldn't remember the word. The no. amount of money I would have paid. And okay, so how did then? How did her scene partner c- continue the game of volleyball? That is, uh oh, we're talking about pooping now. Well, I, I think, I, I think, I think we it was. A, they were like eighty years old in the. It was a matinee. Um, so I think we just had to stay all right past that baby. I mean, yeah. Just ignore it. Ignore it. Yeah. Spoonerism. So. Spoonerism. Wow, that's delightful. Yeah, it was fun. Oh my god. Could have gone could have really created a whole different second act. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Act two. (laughs) Poop joke. Yeah. Lillian for the friggin' win. Uh. Oh my god. So Doug, this has been such a joy. The sixth reel is um where when what's the projected timeline and and how can people keep up with well, you it's doing and- a festival thing right now it did it, it smeared at outfest and then it screened at new fest um and then i i think they are in negotiations with um someone to really with a um distribution company i know they are mm-hmm. and so uh i think next year it's it's going to be released commercial Yay. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. So exciting. Yeah, I think so. And I think they have another movie in the pipeline too, Charles and Carl do. So delightful. Yeah. And so um, where is From Russia with Hate currently streaming? Is it currently on Netflix? I, I know it's, it's on and off here and there. I think it's on Netflix. I think the did the first one move? I you know, I I I think it's still on Netflix. I think. And I know, and I actually just had lunch with a director last week. And um, I, th- I know that they are um, get, we're getting ready to make a third one at some point as soon as Bianca's schedule lets wow. up. So, yeah. Yay. Well. Oh, I can't wait to watch that. Listen up, yeah. thespians. The Hurricane Bianca movies are wonderful. They are. Bianca is the shit, is literally my favorite drag race. I have never met anyone. Here's a fun little tidbit story. Um, our last night shooting that one, I remember 
Bianca saying under her breath, I have to be on stage in Singapore in like 36 hours. Oh, no. We were in New Jersey. And <laughs> that's how much, like, that's how much, like, she does, does not stop. Like, wow. I remember she played Carnegie Hall and I went to see it. And you would think, like, there was a quick after party and I, whatever, but like the next night, Pittsburgh, you know, like, <sighs> boom, 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 you know, never stop. Don Rickles in a dress, the best one. And such a sweetheart. Gone. So good. So yeah. please do watch Doug in um, Hurricane Bianca from Russia with Hate. It is a delightful film um, that ended up being incredibly poignant given what we saw happen with Russia over the last several years. And okay. Doug is amazing. And keep your eyes peeled for the sixth reel. Yeah. We will put his um, socials in the show notes so that you can keep up with Doug. And this has been so lovely. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, thank you. Yay. Thank yeah. you guys. Yeah. All right. And to our, our listeners. Yeah. Put on your dance belts backwards. Yeah. Sure.